Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Girlish. My name is Gage, and I'm here with my co-host, Olivia. Hey, everyone. It's me. I hope you guys missed us. I think at the end of our last episode, we were joking. We were like, are we going to be here next week? Who knows? (laughs) And we weren't. We weren't here next week. Yeah. So what happened, or I guess technically we will be here next week. But what we recorded the Coachella episode like a week or two weeks before I posted it. So to you guys, we are back the next week. But to us, it's been a few weeks. So that's just, I mean, we're determined if not anything. Consistent? No. But determined? For sure. You can say whatever you want about us. But, you know, we're going to get an episode up. It doesn't matter how much of a gap there is in between. (laughs) It's going to go up. A seven-year so, gap. I mean, we're still here. Girlish is not going to die. Yeah, that's part of our brand. It's kind of like a surprise, like a surprise drop every time there's a new episode. Yeah, as long as we're paying for the domain for girlish.com, girlishpodcast.com, Girlish will be up and running. Mm-hmm. So we are here every week, all the time. Or I mean, you can stream us every week. Will there be a new episode? Who knows? Um and I love how we just joke about this every single episode. No, we're going to try and be more consistent, like genuinely. Um, yeah. I feel I like we- everyone knows that. We're like, this is just how it is, though. Because no one's ever like, you guys are so inconsistent or like yells at us. I feel like yeah. everyone's accepted that. Unless, right. Unless there's like a long period, then we'll get a few messages. Like if it's like a really long period. But if it's a few weeks, no one's really like, what the hell is happening? Because at the end of the day... Our content is quality enough to last you a lifetime. So if it's a few weeks you have to wait, you'll be fine. Just us speaking is like enough to hold you over for the next time (laughs) that the next episode comes out. Exactly. We're the best form of media. Just two bitches. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, I I do think there's going to be more consistency coming our way. There's a lot of exciting things happening for Girlish that we're, we're both really pumped about. So... Um, step by step, you know, good things are happening. We just had a, an, a really amazing opportunity a few months ago with Women's History Month and being involved with Spotify in that way. And so we've obviously have the determination. I know there's people that want to listen to us and that make us want to make episodes every week. So I think that's something that, you know, makes us really keep our head up and like know that we have an audience that watches. There's a consistent number we get every week of viewership. And so it's really fun in the end of the day to just sitting here and catching up. So exactly. Yeah. And I mean, a big thing as to why it's so hard sometimes is just because of work. We do still have two full-time jobs that take up most of our time. Um, and I feel like we both have some updates. You are doing yeah. something really exciting actually, yeah. which I think There's- is really cool. Yeah, work definitely takes up a large part of like our energy sources. I know for sure. I mean, we both have like had struggles with work in the past. I'm in a greater position than I've ever been with work. But obviously, at the end of the day, work is work and it's going to get stressful at times. So I've been like really beat the fuck up when it comes to to working um, at my job. I've been on this animation project that's been taking like weeks and I feel so bad. Like I've had like one video that took me like two, two and a half weeks to make and it's because I had to like start like over like all these animations and I don't know if anyone has ever done video production stuff but like working in like uh After Effects and Premiere can be like really like just hard on like the mind the soul the computer and um it's definitely been like really difficult for me to kind of 
after the, you know, after my work day ends from editing on day to like jump on to like the girlish podcast and like edit the podcast. So part of me just has to like separate work and like personal, like know that like editing girlish is fun and there's really nothing daunting about it. But in my head, I'm like, I have to get back on premiere, but it's fine. And um, I do enjoy it once I'm doing it. But um, that, I think that's kind of like where the biggest like hardship comes. And this week has fucking kicked my ass. So yeah, I've had to edit like nine, 10 minute animations, like straight animations. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a roller coaster. But one thing that I have been enjoying a ton of at work, and it's this big update for me, is that um, a few like months ago, um, our diversity and inclusion person at our job like messaged and reached out to the entire company and was like, we're launching an employee inclusion network type thing at our work. Um, so like they're trying to get inclusion networks for different marginalized groups. So like there's like a women's one, there's um, uh, uh, like an, a pride one. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, there's like a few other ones, but like there was uh, one for like Women's History Month. They really advocated during that. And it's a constant like essentially like resource kind of group that um yeah, if you're a woman and or I guess anyone at the company, you can just kind of go and attend that, have community there. And so for the Pride one coming up, they were looking for co-chairs to like help out, help organize it and stuff. So I volunteered to be a co-chair, which has been really, really cool. So I'm kind of like in my own way, kind of working with diversity and inclusion, which I went to school for, but I wasn't able to find a job. So I'm like circumventing like the system to like actually work in like this pride, like employee inclusion network. So it's cool because I don't have any sort of, I really don't have any pressure on me other than really trying to like be there to support other people who are part of the LGBT community in my job. So it's really fun kind of like navigating that and um, where we've been really like pushing to make this like event really, really cool. We have a launch in June for Pride Month and I'm just like, I'm so excited and happy for it. So I know you and I talk about like wanting to work in diversity and inclusion so much and it's such, it's so hard to get into because so all the jobs, yeah, all the jobs that are hiring just like won't hire you. Yeah. I was super excited for you because I feel like everybody knows I hate slash hated the position that I was previously in, like literally the worst nine months of my life. I was miserable every single day and I was trying to get out of the industry that I'm in and get into diversity and inclusion. And it's so hard because it's still like an emerging field. Um, It's not something that every company has and the roles that are open are like all president, vice president, director, super high up roles. And it's like, how how am I going to apply for that? It's like, oh, you need to have 10 years of diversity experience when this field wasn't really in existence 10 years ago. So it's just kind of hard to get your foot in the door and show companies that you have some type of experience in order to work in somewhat of that type of role. So I thought it was really cool that you were able to get in there. Um, not like as your official position, but just like as a subsection or like a side task for your company, because I feel like that's something that most companies need. Um, I just started a new position on Thursday. So I'm 
in a better place in terms of work. I would ideally like to get out of insurance, but you know, it's something that I'm more comfortable with and not as miserable as I was before doing. And just like in the few days that I've been with my training class, there've been like instances where they've said things that are like not politically correct, or I'm kind of taken back a little bit that they're talking like this. And this is coming from the trainers. So it just kind of puts into perspective that this is like something that a lot of companies need to work towards is doing training and being aware of what to say, what you can say and what you can't say. Because like I said, that was like, I was the only person in in the class that was like, oh my God, why did you just say that? Or like, is this a prank? Like, I feel like sometimes I'm being pranked and like, they're trying to get us to call them out for saying something inappropriate because of the experiences that I've had. You sent me like a screenshot of a Zoom call and there was like the guy had his name as something like, like pee pee poo poo or something weird. His name like was that. Pepperoni, but his first name was Pepe, last name Roni. Oh, today, okay. I thought it, okay, I thought it today, was today. His name was Sam Sung. And that's no. the trainer. And my other trainer, her username was Sassy Bra. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, same, but I'm not going <laughs> to let everybody at work know that. Like, hello? I love that. Oh my God. I feel like, yeah, there's definitely a balance or like they are trying to be the quirky, relatable trainers, but at the same time, it kind of comes across as unprofessional. And like I said, sometimes when you do try and occupy that role, you say things that are maybe not politically correct or you shouldn't say or might be offensive to some people. Um, So yeah, I, I think what your company is doing is really good in terms of having those types of networks and then allowing employees to be in charge of them or to help further those. I'm sorry, my computer glitched, but yeah, um, it's, I, I've been having a lot of fun with the idea of like, of diversity inclusion. And I don't know, ever since like, we talked about it, I think a few episodes ago of like, would we ever come out um, <laughs> Sorry, Emily is in the in the peeking into the room, but um, okay. Russell's I, like shirtless across the camera. So it's okay, I love this. Um, I love having um being married, right? Yeah, it's um, just married life. Exactly. Married life. Um, but yeah, so uh, we talked about it a few episodes ago about like coming out at work and if we were ever comfortable with it, and do we feel like it's necessary or if it's needed. And um, I, I think I said that, why would I? I don't know why I would. And then it was funny because when I, when I volunteered to be the co-chair, the, the main person running it, the diversity and inclusion head, was like, uh, so do you want to do like a share your story where you can kind of like talk about your, yourself? And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. So then I wrote like a full on like, like an autobiography of myself. It was just like a little article essentially kind of promoting the, the Employee Inclusion Network. But it was really like, okay, I'm telling everyone I'm trans now and that's fun. And it was interesting, but it was it was nice because I was able to, you know, express my story and who I was and also advocate for like why things are important in the workplace, like maybe presenting your pronouns. Because like my company at, at the time, no one had pronouns in their, their like signature. No one had it in their Zoom calls. 
And regardless if I'm a fan of pronouns or not, I can see how it could be comforting for people being like, okay, well, like, you know, I don't know the vibe of this company. Is this company for thinking? At the end of the day, like, I don't see any harm with having pronouns. And I, I think, you know, it could be good for people who are, you know, nervous about maybe coming out or being themselves because they don't feel like there's people that are going to support them. So the whole pronoun thing was completely optional, but it was really encouraged for people to do. And it's funny because people on my team now, I'm seeing them have like their pronouns in their Slack or their pronouns in their Zoom. And I'm like, oh, I did that. Like I was able to push to do that. And there's only a few, but, you know, at least a few, you know, I, I know read my article and like agree with what I had to say and like understood. So I'm hoping like that little wave can become big, bigger waves. But yeah, it's hard to move a company. Like it's hard to really try and push a company towards the right direction. So like I, part of me feels like it's going to be hard to like want to actually push for actual change because right now, like the the figurehead is really worried about finding finding funding for pride pins, like little pins, and like, like we don't need pins. Like we need representation. We need to like have like these initiatives that are going to secure and make people in the company feel safe. Um, and I just like it's frustrating to think that like I don't want this to be cosmetic. And so like I had a one on one with like a coworker who connected me with her previous employer. Who was like, I think you should talk to this diversity and inclusion person that ran our pride campaign and like our pride unit because um, you could probably learn a lot and know where you need to advocate for things at. So I was getting educated on like paid mater- or paid maternity leave or parental leave and how, you know, in a lot of companies like they have only maternity leave. And like if you're like a gay couple then you aren't able to take off paid time off for having a new child. So there's like, there's a lot of in companies, there could be a lot of like holes that need to be filled. Like, um, does the company pay for medical leave? Like if you're having a transition related surgery, would they pay for that um, for you to be off for it? And there's just a bunch of like little things that a company can do to really support their communities and to show support. So right now it's kind of digesting and unpacking and really looking into where we need to fix things for the company and advocate for that. And so it's been it's been another job on of itself. But I think that's like the funnest part. When you become the head of diversity at your company, um, I would like to be hired. I can be an assistant or something, anything really. I just would like, you know, the opportunity and I think I would do good at it. They're hiring a talent and acquisition person that I'm like, maybe you could reach out to be. Yeah. Like you can just like, I mean, it's like a talent, but I think it's an HR. So (sighs) that's going to be like a little connect. And then you can like reach out. I can, I can, um, co-sign for you, but, um, they, yeah, I think you can reach out and, and, and maybe they'll, they'll hire you. Um, in my vigorous job search, I was like discovering, all of these different roles within diversity um, and diversity recruiters is like a thing or like diversity sourcers or suppliers, like to ensure either that they're hiring people um, based on talent and not based on, you know, their background. Um, and then also like some companies have diversity suppliers that will reach out to different smaller businesses to provide them with like, supplies to sell for their own business So I think there's like a lot of different areas that you can go into. It's just kind of hard to break 
into that industry. I know most people that get to like the high up stages of being a president or a vice president or something, they come from all over the place, like finance or IT or something like that. So it's, I feel like it's something that you can jump into. You just have to find the right company to take that leap and trust you with that vision. And I feel like there's only so much that you can do just by saying, oh, I'm trans. So I know how to do this job because I'm trans. (laughs) That's kind of like what I've come to understand is like my transition is only going to take me so far because I love to use that as an excuse for like, give me things like, (laughs) right. I mean, it's reparations at the end of the day. It's almost five months. Like it's owed to us at this point. Exactly. And so it's, yeah. And so I, I can see, I'm learning now that like, I need to be more assertive in my voice because a lot of the times I'm just scared to ask for things because I'm just like, well, they're being nice. They're letting me do this. But I'm like, no, I should be but more upfront. I should be advocating. I should like find, like gain a cohesive thought of the things that I want to do and organize it in a way that actually is productive and would be beneficial for a company. But yeah, I know we're talking a lot about professionalism and uh, we're professional again, girlies. Yeah. What I mean, say? Yeah, we, we work right. Nine to five. And yeah. And then we, um, yeah, it's full time. So that's kind of on our mind a lot. But, and onto personal things, I know you've had like a fun updates coming your way. You've been working on savings yeah. of money. <laughs> I, so I realized that I spend entirely too much money just in general, but a big part of that is like cosmetic things. So I like to get my eyelashes done. I like to get my nails done and I calculated the cost of like me getting my eyelashes and your first mistake that was literally the worst mistake of my life because I went into like an existential crisis thinking about oh my god I probably could have bought a house by now if I didn't get all this dumb shit which is not reasonable but yeah so after realizing I spend thousands of dollars a year on fake eyelashes and nails I decided that I was going to try and learn how to do these things on my own. So I stopped getting my nails done. I've actually just started to get into like press-ons and putting those on because I work from home. I literally don't leave my house all week other than to go to the grocery store. So there really isn't a need for me to have a nice fresh set of nails 24-7. And the same thing goes with my eyelashes. I feel like if I had to go into the office or if I was doing something that required me to be out in public a lot, it would make more sense. But I'm really just getting my eyelashes and nails done to sit at home and watch Netflix and for nobody to see me. So I feel like that's just a waste. And like with press-ons, I can pop them on like on Friday for the weekend and then take them off and then reuse them. So instead of spending $50, $60 every two or three weeks, I can spend less than $20 a month on press-ons. I have them on right now. Ignore my pinky and my thumb because they fell off because I don't think I put them on right. But I, I'm i impressed. Like I think I'm converted. I don't want to get my nails done anymore. Plus, They're really cute too. Yeah, the last time I got my nails done, the girl like fucked up my nails. So that's another thing. It's like you pay to get your nails done, but at the same time, you might 
get fucked over and like they might mess up your nails or give you an infection or like cut your cuticle or fuck up on the nail polish. So it's just like, why am I going to spend that much money when I can just put them on myself? Um, And same thing with eyelashes. I'm like, I could just put on fake eyelashes for a day, the one day of the week that I do go out instead of spending $80 every two weeks to get them glued to my face. So yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to be a more responsible adult because I, I'm making like more money than I ever have, but I still feel like I'm broke all the time. And I realize I just, I can't control what I spend my money on. It's just, I have to go to Target every Saturday, like for no reason. I just have to go. It's just part of my routine when I don't even need anything at Target. So yeah, I'm just trying to be more financially responsible, especially in regards to like cosmetic things, because that's very superficial of me. Emily and I always say we leave the house, we spend a hundred dollars. Like you just like standard amount. The second we like step out of our house, we like end up somewhere and we spend a hundred dollars. So like, I get that. Like the cosmetic stuff is like, it feels so good in the moment and it's so good to have, but like it can get so expensive especially with nails and especially like the area you live. I know that yeah. like everything's priced even like way yeah. higher. So getting nails done is easily, you can spend like easily a hundred bucks depending on like the design or whatever, the tip at the end, like it really like adds up and they're good for like two weeks. That's like a full set. They're good for two weeks. And then like fills are still, they're still pretty expensive, but um, like, yeah, I feel that I really wanted to get like my lashes done too after you got them. But I was like, I can't. Like, it is so much. To, like, I feel wanna... like it's worth it if you go on a vacation or like a trip. Because, I mean, the whole thing about it is that you don't have to put makeup on. It's like you wake up and you can go. So it it saves some time if you are somebody that actually needs to go out and be in front of people all the time. But like, like I said, I don't need to have eyelashes like for my zoom call with my coworkers, like that's that's who's gonna see them so like there's no point right i i i like roll out of bed in the morning and it's like 5 a.m and i jump on my my morning zoom call so everyone always sees me like a zombie but like yeah it's hard to like want to be pretty especially working remote we're in like quarantine and i still wear my mask when i go out so it's like i mean the majority of my face is covered so i don't really work on that self care anymore cuz i'm like who's really seeing it but i do i know there are times though like doing it for yourself can feel nice and so like you know sometimes i think it's like really expensive but at the end of the day like if you're gaining the happiness from it like money's meant to be spent and so i think that's like that's like fine but i i know how you feel like to look back the amount of times like I've bought coffee within the past year, like I'm scared to look at the coffee purchases because I drink it yeah, like, religiously. Look. Yeah, no. And just keep it a secret. And then right, it's just between me and my bank account. <laughs> um and right. And so or my bank account and God is really what it's between because I will never look at that. I might people could be stealing money from like my bank. I shouldn't say this out loud. No, like, I'm I wouldn't. I wouldn't way. know. I wouldn't know. I never look. I'm, I'm just like, scared. So yeah, same. I spend money and I'm like, <laughs> oh, like I wonder how much money I have left, but I'm not going to check because no. that's going to make me depressed. Right. There, I need to stop going on TikTok too because there's so many TikToks that are like money, 
this whole world is fake. We live on a, a rock. Just spend your money because, you know, debt, debt isn't real. <laughs> debt and I'm like, you know real. what? You're right. Debt's not real. I have $20,000 in student loans. I will never pay it. I will never pay it. I will find a way to not pay it and I will never pay it. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not gonna- Credit card debt? That doesn't exist. Just pay your minimum and then keep spending it because, you know, we could all die tomorrow. And what's the point of dying with extra money in your bank account exactly. that you didn't spend? So, exactly. So that's my philosophy. I think, right. And so I think people are are too hung up. I, Emily and I have been wanting to buy a house for so long. And um, because the market has increased like 50%, the housing market over the past like two years, we're like, it doesn't make sense to buy a house right now. It's only, it's the seller's market. And so, yeah, there's like, there's, um, yeah, I think we should just spend our money. I think, I think instead of saving for a house, we'll never be able to afford a house. Instead of saving for this or that, we should just spend it. Money isn't real. It's really not. It's literally a piece of paper that came from a tree. And it has exactly. so much power over the entire world. It's and fake. I think we need to reclaim that power back. And put it back in our own hands and spend it. Right, exactly. It grows the economy. Yes, I'm giving, I'm supporting. Oh my God. I always like rationalize purchases. I'm like, oh, I'm supporting the business. The business doesn't need my support base. It's doing fine. Oh my, I saw a tweet the other day that said, what was it? Like, when I go to a register and I see an, a, a random iPad on like the thing, I know I'm going to be tipping, tipping for something I never tipped before. Because That's so like, true. yeah, every time I go into like a like a little restaurant or something, they have the little fucking tablet, the little I think it's like it's called Square, the brand typically, and like they'll flip it over and then like a tip amount always comes up, and it's like here I go tipping you like a fucking dollar for my McChicken or whatever, um, and. It's just like, it's just every time I'm just like, okay. And if for coffee, especially, and I'm like the worst, I think I like am attached to people too easily as the second someone's nice to me. And I look down at that tip. I'm like 30%. Like I'm like way they too worked giving. for it. They worked for it. Do you donate did. to like the pet foundation? Never, never. Okay. I'm guilty. I used to do that all the time. And then I found out like what that money usually goes towards. So I was like, no. The animals can starve. Right. I mean, yeah, I've heard conflicting things where people are like, well, the company can write your donation off at Ford Charity and then get a tax write-off. Um, but then I've also heard people saying, well, you can write that off too. So, but I'm just like, if I want to donate, I'll donate like my personal dollar. Like I just, and I hate it too. Cause they always like, if I go to PetSmart, they're always like, they're always like, do you want to save a dog today? And it's like, excuse they're me. They're so dramatic. I know. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> no, I don't actually. I feel so bad. It's like they guilt trip you. They're like, do you want to save a homeless animal's life? Do you want to save an animal from being put down or do you want it to die and just not donate? And I'm like, what do you want me to say, lady? Like, do you want do you, do like, you want a tranny to have food on her table? Shut oh the fuck God, up. Leave me alone. That's so true. We should flip it on them. Right, exactly. Like, do you think I have an extra dollar? What if I need that dollar to put food on the table? Yeah. How about that? I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) But yeah, so I I guess with that being said, we can move from our like personal little updates to um, our first topic of the episode. 
Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we typically do, uh, cut up our episodes in three different topics, the intro and the pop culture section, and then the main topic for this episode. But yeah, so there's a lot of pop culture news that we wanted to discuss, a lot of superhero thingies, and I wanted you to kind of start it because you brought it to my attention. I wasn't aware that this was a thing, but I looked into it and I think it's really cool. So yeah. Yeah. So recently, um, Marvel started doing like a Pride series and they just unveiled a new superhero that is actually trans. Her name is Escapade. Um, So I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I also saw Doctor Strange recently and there was like a little bit of LGBT representation in that movie as well. Um, So we were just kind of talking earlier about Marvel and Disney. And I feel like Marvel has done a pretty good job over the last couple of years in terms of being inclusive or showing different types of gender identities or sexualities. Um, And that's just reinforced further by them having this pride series with all of these new characters and everything like that. Um, So I just thought it was really cool to have a trans character in Marvel. I know, I think in Supergirl, which is DC, there's a trans girl on that show, but I'm not super familiar with DC. I know Nicole Maines plays her, who's actually trans in real life as well. So I think it's really cool to see trans people represented in superhero comics, because I feel like a lot of people have an attachment to superheroes. It's like a sense of escapism for them or something that they can look up to and having trans women specifically be in those positions of power instead of being like villains or something like that, I think is super beneficial. Yeah. So I just, I thought it was fun to see the direction that we're going in terms of superheroes because I mean, Marvel is probably one of the biggest franchises out there. Those all those movies make so much money. The audiences is, are huge. So I think having trans people and even having any people in the LGBT community present, but not necessarily spoken about explicitly is equally as powerful just because, you know, we're not reduced down to just our identity and we can just exist in the universe and not really have to talk about it. Just being present, I guess. Yeah, I was looking it up because I because you mentioned that and I was like, like, is this real? Like, is, is there actually like a superhero? So I think she's a part of um, X-Men, right? Like a part of like the X-Men series. Yeah. So she's she has the ability to instantaneously switch physical locations with another person or trade any physical or abstract attributes such as possessions, organizational status, skills, superhero powers or situations so i'm yeah inter- i'm interesting cool. to see or i'm interested to see how that applies i'm definitely gonna buy it um i just like anytime there's like any sort of like trans representation in something like a comic or a magazine i always buy it so i have like the the playboy of the mexico um the trans woman that was um the cover of playboy i have that um i have hunter schaefer like on the cover of bazaar um so uh I'm really interested in having this as well. Just any sort of media like this is always super interesting to me. So yeah, I was reading it. Um, So yeah, Marvel is doing like a pride collection for this will be the first pride um, series of this pride month. It I think comes out 
let me see the day. I think June 22nd or something like that. Yeah, June 22nd. And it's like Pride number one. That's what it's called. Um, and it's just part of their, I think, like sort of Pride Month type of thing that they're doing, which I think is really cool because um, like you really, yeah, like you never see this. I feel like um, superheroes do hold such like a, like, like a, a strong hold in someone's heart. And so to have representation like that, um, like especially growing up, I couldn't have like imagined being able to like read about a superhero that was like me. And like, like that just is like, it's just really heartwarming to like really see that. And I'm happy that it's like a trans woman, but I do find it interesting because this um, series is like owned by, or I guess Marvel Studios is owned by Disney. So Marvel, I don't think is, but Marvel Studios. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, could this ever be a movie? But I think because it's owned by Disney, I don't think there's ever a chance for like any sort of like pride character to be in a movie. Because I'm like, I would have loved to see a trans like superhero in the theaters, but I don't think that could happen still, especially if Disney has a hold over it. Like, what do you think? I I don't know. I feel like not yet. I don't think we're at a place where that could be a thing. But like I was saying earlier, I did see Doctor Strange and America Chavez. So like Miss Marvel, eventually she is wearing a pin on her jacket and it's a pride pin. It's like the most recent pride flag or the pride sign that includes like trans colors and all the different colors and representation. And I thought that was really cool just that she was wearing a pin. I believe in the series, she does identify as a lesbian, but they never mentioned that. Um, so just like, you know, she's one of the main characters in that movie and just having her present and seeing that pin on her the entire movie, it was just nice to have that representation there, but not like screaming at you. She wasn't like, Hey everyone, I'm part of the LGBT community. Like, look at me. It was just very understated. And I think, like I said, that's equally as powerful because, you know, it, somebody's identity doesn't have to be at the forefront of every conversation that they ever have or every interaction that they have. Um, I think it's just also as valuable to showcase that there are people within the universe that identify this way. And that has literally nothing to do with their storyline. You know, the movie goes on as it does without their identity or without their gender being a focal point. And I think that's something that's really important because, you know, most of the time we do see representation, which isn't always a bad thing. It's mostly solely based around that person's identity. And that just kind of plays into the idea that we're only our identity and that's basically our entire life, which is anything farther but the truth. I am, I'm interested to see what, um, I haven't really looked into any of the reactions toward the Pride Collection, but like the comic heroes, the superhero, like comic people, I know some of them can be really fucking crazy. Like, I mean, we saw what they, um, like with um, the idea that Donald Glover could be Spider-Man back in the day when before they had, um, uh, before they brought in the newest Spider-Man. Why did I forget his name all of a sudden? uh tom holland Holland. before they brought it tall yeah i have like the worst like brain things this happens there should be a compilation (laughs) of how many times that happens but um donald glover was in the running and everyone was like like he can't play spider-man he's black and like that's like like a weird thing that people like are really concerned about and so they ended up making a comic like a black spider-man 
to have like actual diversity within that. But I think that's what's really awesome about Marvel is I think that they're all, they're always on the ball of trying to like really create things that are more inclusive and um, kind of step against those people that have these like narratives that like against these marginalized people. So I'm wondering how the community is reacting to this. I need to really look into it more. But um, going off the the pin thing that you said that was on her her jacket, I think that is like so cool. Like, I mean, and it's so stupid that to think like just a little pin is like going to do any change or mean anything. But the fact that they got that, like if you think about it at the end of the day, they have that in the Disney movie. Like, like Disney notoriously like has gotten shit for possibly like a lesbian couple, like in the background of a Finding Dory movie. Like there was like a lot of shit for that that like like i think people were like going like having an uproar like conservatives were just like super upset that this disney movie could ever fathom having like any sort of gay representation in their their like thing so it's interesting to see like that like little like subtle thing like happening so i'm hoping that opens the door for them to actually have queer characters um within the marvel universe and hopefully if when her character becomes more expanded, I, I've yet to see it, but hopefully that she is able to express her sexuality um, and not feel like, and like, yeah, hopefully she's able to express it. And in a way that obviously isn't in anyone's face, like in a way that it should be accepted, just kind of, a, you know, just a piece of them that doesn't necessarily have to be their entire character. And so I really like that the little pin kind of showed like, you know, we're advocating here, we're doing our best and hopefully that's like a step forward in the right direction. So I'm, there is hope that one day there is going to be a trans superhero. And I really do hope that it's with through something like Marvel, like, um, and like a big, big company for a lot of eyes to be on. Cause I think that's where it's going to be really, really important to have that representation at. Yeah. And I think really, with anything when kids are involved i feel like that's probably the biggest form of backlash in terms of disney just because people seem to think that any type of queer representation is like indoctrinating their children and making them gay or making them trans so i feel like that's really the biggest backlash is just like oh like you can't show that to my kids because they're gonna become gay and they're too young to know what that means so yeah, I feel the same like people that say that like have like two year like four year old sons and that have guns on them. Like they give like literally. their their children guns and they want to talk about indoctrination. Oh my god, I it upsets me so much. Ugh. Yeah, you literally will let your children watch the most trashiest reality TV shows when they're literally having sex with each other on the screen, but we can't have a gay fish. Right. That's too exactly. much. That's where the that's, line has to be drawn. We cannot the, have a gay fish. It's grooming. That's what it is. It's right? too much. <laughs> we can't the choose the sexuality of a fish. Like it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I mean, I think we're both extremely angry. We can I wanna do another episode in the future about more of that topic when it comes to like the way that people have been talking, especially lately within politics about the trans community. Um, a lot of crazy things have been happening, like Roe v. Wade and stuff that I want to talk about in the future. Um, but we wanted to talk about some more uplifting things today. So that's why, you know, we wanted to kind of pick apart this whole cool Marvel thing happening. 
And I do find it exciting at the end of the day. I don't want to like sound negative where I'm like, I don't think this will ever be a movie. Like it is really cool. And it's such a step forward that I'm like, I'm so pumped for. Like, I want to really see how she like is in her character and like what her character is like. And um, maybe one day, even if it's just a cartoon, to have it in a cartoon would be really cool. I agree. And you did say we wanted to keep it like more light and upbeat, but I feel like (laughs) the main topic of this week is going to be a little controversial, potentially. I feel like the community is divided. It's right down the middle, literally straight down the middle. And I feel like we both land on the same side, but we did want to talk about both sides because we're not biased. We like to include everybody in the conversation. (laughs) Right. Um, Even if your opinion's wrong. Yeah. So, you know, you might be wrong, but we're still going to bring it up so that, (laughs) you know, you can be seen. Um, But yeah, if you are wondering what I'm talking about, we are talking about Kendrick Lamar's new song called Anti Diaries from his new album. Um, if you haven't heard the song, I would suggest probably going and listening to it just so that you know what we're talking about. Um, but essentially the song is him reflecting on family members that he has that ended up transitioning and now identifies trans and just his experience and his community's experience in terms of trying to understand them growing up and the way that they were treated and the signs that he may have seen that ultimately led to them transitioning. And like I said, it seems like the community is split down the middle in terms of, is it offensive? Is it progressive? Is it something that's beneficial to the community? Does it hurt the community? Who has a right to even be upset? So yeah, we just thought it was a really good topic to discuss just because of how many different opinions people have on it. Um, so what are your initial thoughts or what, yeah. What are your thoughts on the song? I want to like preface like a slur warning for everyone, the F slur and definitely the T slur will probably be said, but um, yeah, the F slur is mentioned throughout the song and I will probably be saying the word. So a little trigger one, but um, yeah, I think that there's a large population of people that I've been seeing like through Twitter, you know, mutuals and stuff like that, who haven't been the biggest fan of of Kendrick's like use of the word faggot of of the F slur. I've seen a lot of like the gay population, a lot of gay people really upset that he used that word. And it's so funny because <laughs> there's a song where he's like literally like there's a million reasons to be mad at it, specifically the blatant like misgendering of people in the song like you can be upset by that but like people are just like more up, like gay people are just more upset that he's saying the epsler rather than like maybe what this means for the trans people and so what i've been seeing a lot is a lot of trans people are like loving this song but then i'm seeing like a lot of gay people hating it for the epsler and i think that's kind of like where the disconnect is at but i personally think this is an incredible song i think it's a huge step forward especially in the rap community. Um, I don't want I'm not, I don't want to be the bitch that like, like wants to like analyze Kendrick Lamar lyrics. Like I'm so like holier than thou. Like, I don't think that way. I'm, I don't, I can't even like begin to tell you what his intentions are in his song. These are his stories, but this is my interpretation that I'm giving. 
And, um, but I genuinely don't think there's anything wrong with the song. I don't know. Do you feel the same? Like, I don't, I don't really see the problem. I agree. I was a little scared to be honest when I first heard that the song came out, I was like, Oh no, like traditionally rap is not necessarily the most kind to the trans community or, you know, we've seen so many rappers say and do transphobic things. So it's definitely something that you can kind of expect like a rapper to say something potentially negative about a trans person or anybody in the LGBT community. But I did listen to it in its entirety before I made any opinions. And I, like you, I really didn't find anything wrong with it. I know he says the word faggot, but again, I think it's, it's interesting to me that the song is about trans people and accepting or trying to understand your family and, you know, your community, a community's response to a trans person that traditionally has a tendency to be homophobic or transphobic or not accept these types of identities. That's literally what the song is about. But the thing that people are upset about is the fact that he said faggot. And I think you said it best, like that's where the disconnect is. I feel like people aren't really dissecting what the lyrics are actually saying and understanding that this is kind of a commentary on, I guess, the rap community's ideas in regards to trans people. And that's the main focal point of the song. And, you know, the word faggot is a word that is also used to describe trans women because people aren't able to make that distinction between gender identity and sexuality. So I just thought it was interesting that, at least for me, the most criticisms that I saw were coming from gay men specifically, like sticking up for trying to stick up for trans women saying like, how could you say this, say that? Why did you say the F word? You could have just said it in a different way. When I think they're kind of missing the entire point of the song. Yeah. What I, and I was reading a thread of like this person describing it and why they, and why they like the song, why they think it's great. And honestly, like, I think this is a good, like, I feel like people aren't really listening to what the song is saying and like how it is so beneficial. And so like this, I'm going to just quickly read this tweet, but this person said, um, a lot of uh, people have problems with Kendrick's use of the F slur, but it's important to remember the narrative frame the song uses. This, uh, this becomes incredibly relevant at the apex of the song. He's speaking about how casual homophobia is normalized, even in elementary school. Uh, Kendrick talks about his respect for his uncle um, and how he helped him start growing out of his homophobia and transphobia that he grew up with. So, um, yeah, he's kind of just talking about the bigotry, how it's so normalized, and how he was unlearning it through the representation that started happening in his family and his love for those uh, family members. And that kind of like gives me, like, goes to like the next point is like also, you know, people were mad that there was misgendering happening within the family members. So people were like really upset that uh, for his cousin, he misgendered her like the entire song. Like not once did he correctly uh, gender her correctly. Um, And so people were mad about that as well. But I think that's also like, I I don't know what your thoughts on it, but like I have like a really like analytical, like I have a very personal attachment to this song because 
um, my family, a Mexican American family has like these really traditional cultural values that I'm, that are probably withheld a lot within like a lot of marginalized groups. There's a lot of this like machismo type of energy, um, where the idea of trans people is so complex to understand for them, so hard to break that down and really come to accept. And so when you're in a family member or family that like loves you and respects you and understands you or loves you and respects you, but doesn't quite understand you, they're trying in their sort of way to really learn how to do this correctly, learn how to navigate through this correctly. And I've had to like slowly learn what that means within my family throughout my entire transition. My mom has never correctly gendered me. Like she has never correctly said my pronouns. She has never correctly said my name. She's never done that. And at the end of the day, I still call her every day because I know she loves me. And I know at the end of the day, like she's showing her love in ways that she can. And so I've seen my dad, you know, gender me correctly, but mess up. My brother messes up a bunch, but I know how they feel about me. I know they want me in their lives. I know that my transition isn't going to be the determining factor for our relationship. And I know they're trying to understand. And especially coming from a community that um, being trans is something that's just so different, so not the norm, so um, not tolerated a lot of times. There's a lot of unlearning that needs to be unpacked. So him misgendering these people, and you can even see it with his uncle who he's had more time to process coming out. You can see him kind of going back and forth with the the gendering, calling his uncle his aunt, um, even with the title of the song, I think it's kind of like this back and forth, this struggle of really trying to like fully understand, fully embrace, fully love, because there is this like dynamic of like it's it's it can be hard for people, but the intent and the love is there, and that's why I think the song is like so beautifully like balanced. And I don't know, I don't know what are your thoughts? It's like so flawed that it's like perfect. Like it's a real representation of like a family member, like coming out and you not really understanding. I don't know. I just feel like I'm in his perspective. I'm in his point of view. And I I love that. That's, that's how I interpreted it. I, when I listened to the song for the first time, I put myself in his shoes from when he was growing up around these people. And basically throughout the entire song, he is explaining behaviors or things that they did growing up that now makes sense to him as an adult. And now that they've transitioned, he's finally starting to put the pieces together and understand why they did these things when he was younger. And for me, because he's talking from a place of, you know, reflecting on experiences that he's seen or behaviors that these people have had, I, I didn't really see it as misgendering. Yes. Now technically his cousin should is referred to by she her pronouns but back then the entire song is framed about him in the moment observing his cousin who was a male at the time doing all of these behaviors that ultimately led him to realize oh my cousin's now trans and everything makes sense to me now so i i think ultimately it's kind of a common thing that we talk about a lot is intent. And it's very clear that he has no intention of actually purposefully misgendering somebody in order to hurt them. He's literally recalling his experiences growing up with these family members and how it's led to him to learn how to accept them and understand the things that they did growing up leading to, you know, how they identify now. So for that reason, 
it it really didn't offend me. I didn't find anything problematic with it just because I know he wasn't coming from a place where he was, you know, trying to purposefully attack somebody or use the wrong pronouns on purpose, which is very obvious when somebody's doing that. So I think on on a surface level, if you don't really look deep into the lyrics and really understand what he's saying, it does appear to be problematic. Or like if you just basically look at the lyrics and see the words that he's saying, it's it does seem problematic. But you really have to take a step back and really listen to the song for what it is and understand where he's coming from and why he wrote the song in the way that he did in order to really get that deeper meaning. So yeah, I mean, our opinion isn't like the Bible, you know, just because we're saying this doesn't mean that this is the way everybody thinks. I'm sure there are people listening to this that disagree with us, but I think, you know, that's just part of music. Everybody interprets music in a different way, but I, I don't think it's fair to call him transphobic at all because it, it's very clear that this is not coming from a place of malice. Like this is supposed to be something that, you know, it's a recollection of his past. It helped him realize who his family was. And I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of people that look up to him. There are a lot of people that listen to his music and seeing him have these type of reflections and think back on experiences that he's had with certain family members and come to love them and accept them for who they are. I feel like that's probably going to be more beneficial than him saying faggot a few times in a song. And I feel like, you know, it wasn't just thrown in there for nothing. I think there was an intention with saying that word. And I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I, I tried so hard to find something Mm -hmm. that like makes me understand why people are angry. And I just couldn't, I, I don't know if I just don't get offended, but I genuinely didn't see anything wrong with the song. And, you know, I used to be, when I was younger and I was first starting to tr- like to transition, I was really defensive. I was really, my guards were up because I, I just wanted people to support me and I was scared what it meant when people didn't support me. And I think over time I've realized that there are different ways to show support. And even when we, you know, even when support isn't the prettiest or what the way that we want it to look like, it doesn't mean it's not as supportive. It doesn't mean it's not as important. Um, and so I think we need to look at this and really observe and be like, wow, he made this song with, with good intention. It's not like he was specifically going out of his way, like Dave Chappelle attacking the trans community and like really, you know, making these target or JK Rowling. I always have to bring her up, but like we got so close. I was about to say, this is like the first episode in months that she wasn't going to be present, but she made her way in. It's like the Holy Ghost. She probably hates the song. (laughs) Always with us. Oh, she probably, she definitely hates the song. But there are people like in this, in like the, the entertainment world that like purposefully go out of their way to be a transphobic, to say these transphobic things. And I feel like, you know, I feel like the attention needs to lie there. We need to understand that like people's, interpretation or like people's understanding of trans lives isn't going to be the same way we view trans people because we are trans and we've had practice understanding our community. When I first started transitioning, I like refer to myself as like transgendered. And like, I like, I like the way that I worded things and I talked about it. I wasn't fully aware of like the whole history, the culture, the dialogue, the lexicon of what it means to be a part of the community and how we should address ourselves. So 
people I think are looking at others that are flawed discussing these topics as these like demons, but it's like, we all had to learn to get here. We all had to really understand. And if you're not a part of the community, it's a whole new thing to learn. So any little bit of support, even if it's like not pretty, even if it's not the way we want it to, I think it really is, is really where it's, it's really important and we can't like devalue it or say it's like not good enough because you know, we're not the ones to say whether it's good enough or not. And I'm sure that um, at the end of the day, like, like this isn't going to impact the community the way that someone like J.K. Rowling attacking the trans community or legislators like changing laws in Texas to fucking make it impossible for trans kids to get to get medication or making the parents go to jail or be fined or charged for giving their kids medication. Like that's what we need to, I think, keep our anger and focus at instead of like fighting with people that are being supportive. Yeah. And nobody's journey to acceptance or understanding is ever perfect. So I think there is a tendency nowadays for people to, automatically jump some down somebody's throat when they don't say everything a hundred percent accurate and like you said as trans women ourselves we didn't even start off that way I said things that I shouldn't have said I said things incorrectly and I'm sure you did as well so it's like how do you expect people who aren't even part of the community to automatically get it a hundred percent right if we didn't even get it right ourselves from the beginning And I think, you know, a big thing about the song is it does kind of showcase the roughness and the journey in terms of accepting somebody that's trans or somebody that comes out. And that's raw. Like, that's real. These are real experiences that people have. These are real opinions that people have. These these are things that people say to trans people. And I think that is something that's valuable as well as, you know, just being able to vocalize how the real world actually is, you know, we don't go around and are, we're not respected by everybody everywhere we go. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we have rough conversations or we're talked down upon or maybe misgendered or people say faggot to you as a slur. And that's something that needs to be addressed as well. It's like, it all just comes down to the intention. And like we both said, the song is by no means trying to be transphobic or attack the trans community. It's very obviously coming from a place of trying to understand and moving forward in the way that this particular community sees various types of gender identities. So yeah, I think overall it's just really unreasonable to expect everybody to be perfect all the time. And sometimes in order to make progress, we do have to address the roughness and the inconsistencies in terms of how people talk and people making mistakes in order to move forward and talk about the impact that it has on the community. Yeah. um, It's something that I like, I don't know. I, I feel like people don't quite understand enough. And I mean, and I've, it's taken me forever to like really get the, uh, that idea of roughness and how that's just as needed as someone being completely perfect. Like that's how you get to perfection. That's how you get to the perfect acceptance is through the roughness. Like you said, um, I want to like kind of end it on this because I think it's important because the last line of that song, you know, makes it clear. You, he kind of like wraps it up with why he's saying 
the F slur. Um, the last line, you can look, go look it up. Um, it says the N word in it. I'm not going to say it. Um, but he says, you know, faggot, faggot, faggot. We can say it together, but only if you let a white girl say the N word. Um, and so someone said, uh, this is a very powerful way for Kendrick in the current day through this song to explain how homophobia and transphobia have real world impacts on people in the same way racism has had impacts on himself. This is not to draw equivalencies, but rather explain intersectionality. So I think that's a kind of good way to wrap up that final thought of, of this song isn't meant to target people. It's meant to kind of show the, the sort of intersectional like aspects of identities and words and its impacts and its meanings and the journey that, you know, marginalized communities go through to be accepted um, and how, you know, even black people still struggle to having white people having like to stop saying the N word. Like it's, it's, there's going to be this constant struggle that like, that we have to keep aiming to push to like, obviously end this systemic racism, homophobia, things like that. I agree. That's the perfect way to end it. I think the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, that last line extremely powerful just because it, it really does kind of wrap up the entire song and explain the reasoning for using the word faggot. It's it's not just to say it, it's not something to throw out or he's not saying it in a sense of disrespect. It's to show or that he understands that transphobia and homophobia can be as harmful as racism. And again, I'm not trying to say that the N-word and the word faggot have the same connotation or the same amount of cultural backlash attached to them. But again, it's intersectionality. There can be multiple things happening at the same time that relate to each other. Um, And that's something that a lot of people don't really take into account. So yeah, I would really love to hear what other people's opinions are, because I haven't talked to anybody myself that has had an issue with the song. So if you've heard the song or if you have any comments on how we interpreted it, let us know because I would really like to hear what other people's thoughts are and try and understand, you know, where people are coming from in terms of finding it offensive. Um, I'm going to leave like a little poll or um, a poll and like a little discussion thing on Spotify. Uh, There's like a little feature there that if you go to the episode and you scroll down to the specifics of the episode, there'll be like a little poll there. So please let us know your thoughts. I really, really am interested in seeing what the bulk of people feel. Um, are you angry at this song? Do you feel like things could be different about it? Um, like, what are your thoughts? So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. We really appreciated um, the opportunity to talk about this, or I really appreciated the opportunity to talk about this. Um, yeah, I just I, I just keep thinking about this song. It's like all my favorites on Spotify and it comes up and I'm just like every time I hear it, I'm just I get really happy. And so that's just kind of like my I don't know, I just love it. Honestly, I love the album as a whole. Yeah, like, like I really incredible do. artist. I wasn't like a, a fan of Kendrick, but not, not because I didn't like his music, but because I didn't really know his music. Mm-hmm. And then so when this album came out, I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to it. And then I was listening to it. And then I just was going through Twitter and I saw everyone was talking about a trans song. And I was like, what? And so I had to like click on it and like like really, you know, read it really quick. But um, 
really great album really amazing artists like 10 out of 10 <laughs> we support he has the endorsement of girlish so kendrick exactly. if you're listening Stamp. we support you we're not mad at you so we're not mad at you mm-hmm. you don't know who we don't support <laughs> We'll, we'll let you know on the next episode. Of yeah, the we're going to keep it a cliffhanger. Yeah, you don't know at all. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for watching um, and listening. Uh, we'll be having our episodes on Spotify video version, and you'll be able to see the video version on our YouTube channel. I'm going to try and make sure that I can get those up. But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Follow us everywhere, girlishpodcast.com. See you in the next one. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.